What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Kicks and Picks Podcast. We have a super special episode for you today. We will be closing out the transfer market. Um, you know, everything is pretty much official at this point. A couple stragglers might come in, but uh, the big moves have been made, and we have a very special Premier League betting preview for you. The odds are out. We couldn't be more pumped. We have our picks. Coach Steve, Scotty, and Nick all back with you. What's going on, guys? We're getting I mean, close. Season's yeah. coming up. Season's getting close, and it's been a great week for me being a Roma fan. We'll talk about the big move in a little bit, but uh, I, I couldn't be happier with uh, the way the Mercato's going for Roma so far. Yeah, I think everybody that follows us on Twitter now knows it's a great week for you because you came out of Twitter hibernation and started tweeting again. So uh, very happy to have you back on board, Coach. Welcome back to, to the Twitterverse. Happy to have you. Roma fans have risen from the ashes like the Phoenix. They are just out of the woodwork. Coach Steve leading the charge. But I think that's also a good segue to kind of where we want to start. I think uh, the dust is starting to settle in the in the transfer window as we approach the start of the, the official start of the season. Obviously, the window will remain open for another few weeks, but most teams like to get their business done early, get their new signings bedded in during preseason, and then open the season strong with a, a full roster. So... With that said, I think most of the rumors are starting to die down a little bit, but we do have the ability now to kind of assess the moves that some of these teams made and maybe figure out which ones are going to make an impact, maybe which ones might fall a little flat. So um, we're going to do a little segment to open the episode this week, basically a this or that. Um, I'm going to list off two players either in similar positions or similar situations, and then we'll figure out who's going to make the bigger impact of the two. So I think uh, a good way to start this off, uh, our our favorite team in Spain that somehow has unlimited money to spend, despite rumors of their demise being widely reported across all corners of the internet, Barcelona have made two pretty significant signings to beef up their forward line. Um, the first, of course, being Rafinha moving from Leeds over to Barcelona. Rafinha kind of teasing Chelsea and maybe Arsenal and, and Tottenham, but ultimately deciding on Barcelona. And then the other player, probably the biggest name moving for Barcelona, um, was a long saga, Robert Lewandowski, leaving Bayern, tr- making the switch over to La Liga. Nick, let me start with you. Rafinha or Lewandowski, which one do you think is going to make a bigger impact for Barcelona this season? I think Rafinha will make a bigger impact for this podcast because he helped Leeds score whatever few goals that they had in them, and uh, they were our easy over team. So I will personally miss him. But uh, quite honestly, I, I think it's got to be Lewandowski. I think, um, you know, he's he, he this is weird to say. Follow along with me. He could be their version of Benzema this year. I, I think that's kind of how I see him. Um, I, I, you know, if you ask me who was the better player over the course of their career, I w- I'd say Lewandowski is a little more prolific. But Benzema is the guy that got it done. And um, I, I think that's maybe what they were looking for when they made this signing kind of the veteran, he's not going to do everything that Rafinha is going to be able to do. He doesn't have the legs in him anymore, but they're going to count on his goals. And and I just see that. I don't see there's any way he doesn't get 30 goals this year. Yeah. yeah it, says it, you, coach. It, it has to be Lewandowski. I mean, he's been the best striker in the world for at least three, four years now, right? I mean, no pure striker has been putting up the numbers. He has 35 goals last year in the Bundesliga in 34 matches. And if you want to say the Bundesliga isn't as strong as La Liga, well, he had 13 goals in the Champions League in 10 matches. So the goal scoring is there. He's he's going to get service. 
And I, I think he'll, he'll bag plenty of goals to be in competition for the European Golden Boot yet again. Yeah, Nick, I like what you said with maybe Barcelona taking a page out of Real Madrid's book where Benzema really kind of carried them through a what probably would have been a lackluster season and then obviously ended up in a Champions League trophy. But uh, maybe they're looking for that, you know, reliable number nine that can carry them through lean times, which is kind of where Barcelona are right now. They're in those lean times. And then obviously with their their reported financial woes, they need to make sure that the signings that they make are going to have value throughout the next three or four seasons, because it seems like they're not going to be able to tap into this unlimited revenue of, of TV rights for, for much longer. So I think that's where Rafinha probably comes into play. I think he's probably the more long-term prospect, but yeah, as far as next season is concerned, it has to be Lewandowski. I think they're going to need him to score probably 30 plus goals if they want to have any sort of successful season by Barcelona's high standards. No, Steve, you even surprised me with the stats, man. I didn't, I mean, obviously we all know he had a great season. I didn't realize it was that good. And, and oh, yeah. it almost it reminds me of like the move when Juve went for Ronaldo a couple of years ago. Um, and it's not to say they got the results they were looking for, but Ronaldo certainly did his part. And, and I think this is a, just a similar move. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. He's toward the tail end of his uh, career, I guess you could say at 33 years old, not out of his prime, but he still scores the goals. Uh, will it, will he, will they win a champions league? Unlikely just like Juve didn't do it with Ronaldo, but I think it's a similar type move. I think you're right. And before we give coach any kudos for pulling out stats, he did not give us the total XG that Lewandowski created last season. So <laughs> still not quite in mid season form yet, but that's all right. We're still, well, that was the, uh, that was the quick Google search. I didn't get to uh, FB reference or any of those sites to give you an XG, but certainly okay. impressive we, numbers. We don't want you pulling anything yet, coach. We got to ease you into the season. So we'll, we'll save the XG stats for, for later. <laughs> or coach. <laughs> Uh, shifting gears a little bit, um, our next, uh, this or that grouping, uh, two more forwards, uh, although this time we're going to remain in the EPL, uh, moving from Manchester city, both of them, I'm sorry, both of them moving from Manchester city, Gabriel Jesus and Raheem Sterling. Jesus finds himself linking up with the Gooners in London, uh, Sterling moving over to Chelsea, going to be playing out probably on the left wing for them. It seemed during most of their preseason games that we've seen so far, but may shift over to right wing. Coach, we're going to start with you. Who do you think is going to have a bigger impact in their new London club, Sterling or Jesus? I'm thinking it's going to be the Brazilian Jesus. I think at uh, Arsenal, he should probably be the out-and-out starter, the number nine probably for them, whereas I think uh, a little more competition for Sterling, at least currently the way Chelsea's set up with, uh, as far as I know, pretty much everybody's still there, right? Pulisic and well, Lukaku's and gone. Lukaku's That's a big gone. Loss. <laughs> but uh, in terms of like the, the players he's competing with for for minutes, I think uh, you know he's gonna have a little more competition. Uh, you know the way those teams are set up a little bit better than me, being the the Premier League guy in here. But I think it's J- Jesus just because of the the role he'll fill for Arsenal. Nick, what says you? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Sterling uh, just because I think he has a little more to prove. I, I think he's got a little more ahead of him if he has good year or good years he um you know he was kind of the odd man out the last few years um so i you know i I just think he's gonna have that hunger and he's gonna maybe look to prove people wrong i think the the key difference between these two so sterling i think he's gonna have more competition right he's got a lot of play chelsea has no shortage of of wingers right now i I don't know if they'll move any out in august but um sterling's got to be you know pretty sharp in order to maintain his spot in the starting 11 arsenal's front line 
obviously they're moving on from Lacazette and Obama Young, who, who started with them last season. Um, they've got some young guys that, you know, have all the talent to, to push for a starting 11 spot, but, you know, Jesus would probably be a, a, you know, nailed on starter, at least for the first half of the season. And coming off of a Man City team where he wasn't always a starter, I think there's the opportunity now for him to really kind of prove what sort of production he can create in the Premier League. So I think with that, I'd lean towards Jesus having a little bit more of an impact than Sterling. Plus, we also know Sterling isn't exactly the most lethal of finishers. So he has every opportunity to kind of bungle a few chances here and there. Um, so with that, only when we bet on him, Scott. Only when we bet on him. I would say especially when we bet on him, because there have been plenty of times where I don't bet on him and then I grab him, uh, put it on Twitter, and then get yelled at for copyright violations. But that's a tale for another time. <laughs> All right. Now we'll we'll, we'll dive into to Serie A next. Again, two forwards, since those are the ones that like to move, apparently. Coach, we'll start with uh, your guy. We have uh, Paulo Di- uh, Dybala, um, a commie ball champion, a con- moving to the Conference League champions of Roma. And then we have my guy, Divac Origi, Champions League winner, hero, moving from Liverpool, obviously didn't have quite enough to you know break into that starting 11 with that talented front line that Liverpool has. Going to champions, the uh, Serie A champions, uh, AC Milan, probably going to compete for a spot with, you know, Giroud and, and maybe Zlatan. Sounds like Zlatan's going to resign or yep. sign an extension. Do, so official, right? I think he's out till January though, anyway. Okay. So it'll be probably between him and Giroud, you know, linking up with Leao. Um, Nick, I'm going to start with you and then we'll let yep. coach explain why he thinks Dybala is going to be better. But Nick, who do you think is going to have a, a bigger impact, Dybala or Origi? So the one thing I'll say about Origi, I think he's much more important to Milan in the sense that, they needed a game breaker much more than Roma did. And that, that's not to say that they're a worse team or Roma's a better team, but Roma already has a ton of attacking talent. Um, so I think Origi is a little more vital. It was a more vital signing, but uh, there's no question. I think at this stage, when healthy, um, the guy that knows the ins and outs of the league, who's he's been there for, I feel like 10 plus years between Palermo and Juve, um, Dybala is the, the game breaker, man. He's, he's the signing. He's could be the signing of the season in the Italian league. I mean, I just, I don't think there's any way around that truth. Um, so provided he stays healthy, he, he elevates his team, you know, one or two places probably by himself. And I think that's also a product of other teams, not improving in Italy. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I said it last on our last episode, I thought Roma was a top four team. That was Long before this signing, this kind of came out of nowhere. Um, this this just kind of strengthens that thought, and I, I think he's the clear bigger impact here. All right, coach. We all know you've been researching this for the past four days nonstop. So hit us with coach, all the numbers and insights you got from all the tweets. Why, why is DiBala gonna run the table with Roma this season? I don't even have to hit you with numbers for why he's more important to Roma. He's the most talented attacking player in his prime years since since Francesco Totti for Roma. I mean, he is the club's biggest signing by name since Gabriel Battistuta when they won the, the Scudetto back in 2001. Uh, like Nick said, there are talented attacking players at Roma. Abraham Pellegrini had great years last year. Zaniolo hopefully will bounce back a little bit more than he did last year. Now he's a full year out from the second ACL surgery. And this is no disrespect to, to Origi who could score 20 goals this year. He's but like- e- even if... Dybala scores 10 to 15, his impact could still be greater on Roma because 
he will open up so much more for players like Abraham and Pellegrini and, and Zaniolo if they're on the field at the same time. I just think the impact for the club is just huge from a, a Roma perspective. It just the Friedkins, and I said this on my other podcast, they're raising the level of quality that's expected at Roma first with Mourinho for all the, the negatives you want to throw around about him, Scotty for a club of Roma standards, signing Mourinho and then getting Abraham and now Dybala. It's just the level's been raised and Dybala is just another example of that. And they're spending money that no other team uh, of their level was spending over the yeah. past four or five years. So no, there's no question. Well, and then can, well, we, we could also mention the impact it also has on Inter, who was the favorites for Dybala, but couldn't move out Dzeko, Uh, And they brought in Lukaku. So once they brought in Lukaku and couldn't move Dzeko, Dybala, they couldn't free up a space for him. And, uh, you know, they also lost out on Bremer. So we'll talk about Inter, I'm sure, another time we preview said, yeah, but rough week for them. Well, what does that say about Dybala that a team like Inter would choose Lukaku over Dybala? I think they needed a number nine more than they needed a player like him because they have Latour Martinez. But I, the, I think their ultimate goal was to bring them both in at some point. I just think things didn't move in the Mercado they, want, they wanted because they still have money tied up in Correa. And uh, Jekyll apparently has no market, which is not surprising at this point. I'm going to say something you wouldn't expect me to say, but the reality is, is Mourinho is actually more flexible than Simone Inzaghi is at Inter. I think Inter is married to a formation. They're yeah. certainly overloaded in the midfield. Um, and, and to coach's point, I mean, it's why they brought in Lukaku. I don't necessarily think it was the correct move. Um, I know Scott, you definitely don't, <laughs> but, uh, familiarity, man, it's just, yeah. it's a thing in Italy. You know, they go with what they know. They say, Hey, the last time this guy suited up for us, he scored 30 goals or whatever. And it was easy enough and cheap enough to bring him back. So they did. Yeah, it. I think, I think you're right. They're married to the three, five, two, where Mourinho, who normally played a four, two, three, one shifted about five, six games into the season, realized that a three, four, one, two was better suited to his players. And I think you make that same point. If they want to go back and play a four, two, three, one, they have plenty of options now, Roma, but uh, I think a Dybala Martinez partnership up, up front's a bit light. Uh, you don't really have a true out and out striker. And I think that's why, like Nick said, they're familiar with Lukaku. He won a golden boot. He won them a Scudetto. Let's bring him back. Yeah, I guess I'll uh, I'll try to go to bat for my boy Origi here, um, and I'll make a case for why he might be the more impactful player. To me, I think Dybala is more like a luxury player. I think you you can kind of bring him into a team that's really established, and he can you know elevate them to that next level. Um, is Roma there yet? Maybe. I think they're, they're maybe approaching it. I think, you know, there may be a little bit too much weight put on this conference league trophy that maybe makes them think they're a little more established than they really are. But um, to me, I, I think Origi, you know, we talked about our coach, you mentioned he might score 20 goals. I, I said it, you know, when this move was originally rumored to happen that I would predict Origi just put up 20 goals and uh, Serie A if he moved there. I think that's very likely. I think he has that ability to, um, you know, really break from break defensive lines and and, and he has a, a really good finish uh, unlike some of the other speed wing or speed wingers that have existed in the premier league um so i think he has every every ability to have a similar breakthrough like tammy abraham had on roma this season whereas dibala i think i don't know that he's going to necessarily bring roma from you know competing for top four to competing for a a, a title this season but um, and, and I think the other element too is, you know, Dybala isn't exactly the most robust of players. So there's also that every opportunity where he picks up some, you know, either one knock or a handful of knocks throughout the season that kind of limits exactly how established he can get into uh, Mourinho's side. Yeah, I think you're, you're right there. I think Dybala going to Inter makes them again the Scudetto 
yeah. maybe favorite, right? Because they have every other position filled. Roma depends how they fill out their midfield, really, I think. Definitely. Yep. Agreed. All right. We'll shift gears now. We focus a lot on forwards. Um, let's mix up a little bit. We'll focus on some defenders. Uh, we've got two former Serie A center halves moving to different leagues. Uh, first, we've got uh, Koulibaly moving on from uh, moving on from Serie A, going over to Chelsea. Um, and then we have Nick's favorite center half in the entire world. Uh, Delict moving over to Bayern. Bayern spending their Lewandowski cash on a new center half, which is interesting. Um, Coach, we'll start with you because again, I think we know which direction Nick's already going. Who do you think is going to have a bigger impact at their new club? Uh, their new club, Koulibaly or Delict? So I think Delict will be better than he was at Juve. I don't think Juve was the best spot for him. I think uh, he even said, I think when he moved, that the style of defending that Bayern employs is more similar to what he played at. Ajax before he went to Juve, um, which he seems to be more comfortable with. And I think long-term that's going to be a great signing for Bayern because he is good. Don't get me wrong. It just, he didn't, he didn't perform his best, uh, I think at Juve, but I mean, I've been watching Koulibaly for a long time. I not play. The guy is a beast. He's very good. He's still 31, which for a defender, isn't that old. I think he's still got a few good years left in him. Um, I don't think athletics athleticism will be an issue for him in the premier leagues. So like some center halves that move there, uh, have issues with the speed of the game because it is a, a quicker, more up-tempo pace than Serie A. Um, so I'm going to go Cooley Bali out of the gate. I think he'll do very well. Now, I mean, Chelsea did lose a couple good center backs like Rudiger, right? But I think he replaces Rudiger more and than adequately. Some. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you guys know where I stand on this. I, I think um, Steve hit the nail on the head with pretty much everything. Next year, no doubt about it, Koulibaly is a guy. It's, he's an instant impact. He solidifies Chelsea's back line. Um, and you listen, for the future, um, you know, long-term, the, the lit signing is probably better. I think, again, Steve was correct. He can't be any worse than he was at Juve. Any bad situation. Uh, rough coaching situation, big shoes to fill, all of the above, right? A high transfer when he was bought. So I get it. Um, and and he'll probably settle in quite nicely. And, you know, if you ask a year from now or two years from now, who's the better signing? You know, my answer might be different, but I think the bigger impact right away is Koulibaly. Yeah, I have to agree. I, I think it's going to be Koulibaly. Um Bayern obviously have a pretty solid squad. Really, their signings they bring in to try to compete for the Champions League. They, they usually have the Bundesliga wrapped up every single season. So not really going to be, I don't think, much impact made by Delict at least initially there, because I don't think he's going to be the guy that all of a sudden makes them a Champions League favorite by any means. Um, whereas Coach, I think you're right, obviously Chelsea losing out on Rudiger and, and Christensen um, have a pretty – you know, pretty significant lack in, in at least depth at the very least for, for center half. Um, and so their first signing with Kula Bali is going to address that. I think they're also rumored to be bringing in Jules Koundé. Um, So maybe that's the the new pairing that they'll, they'll send out uh, for their opening match in a few weeks here. But uh, Kula Bali, I think he does everything really well. He defends really well. He distributes the ball uh, forward pretty well, uh, which I think will be key for, for those wingers that we were just discussing when we, we were talking about Raheem Sterling and his impact. So I, I think he's going to have a, a pretty significant impact in his, in the first couple of years. Um, you know, he's, he's been a beast, not just for, uh, for Napoli, but also for, for Senegal, right. You know, led them to the mm. AFCON championship this year. So 
um, you know, as long as he's healthy, you know, 31 is, is young for a center half, but it's still 31. So injuries do start to kind of show up a little bit more often here and there, but, uh, I think he's probably the one that's going to be, uh, talked about more this season at the very least. All right. And then we'll close it out. I think it's the two, the two big names that are, are still on the board for, for transfers that have happened. So we'll make the debate now. Um, it's going to be Erling Holland, obviously moving over from Dortmund and a big money signing to Manchester city. It's been the one that city fans have really been waiting for, for at least two and a half years now. Um, and then Liverpool, the other, uh, EPL title contenders, uh, Countering that with the signing of their own, Darwin Nunez moving over for something like 80 million euros um, from from Portugal. Uh, I guess, Nick, I'll start with you here. Who do you think is going to have a bigger impact this season? So, I mean, until he proves me otherwise, I have to go with Holland. Um, you know, the guy scores every frigging game, I feel like. he's He's done it for a few years now. He does it in the Champions League. He does it for his national team. Um, you know, I, it was the signing of the season uh, up until that point. So until, until I see otherwise I have to go with him. The only thing I'll say is, you know, it, do the expectations catch up to him? That, that can be the only thing I see maybe derailing his season. Um, but, but let's see what he's got. And that's not to say that Nunez isn't a fantastic player. Um, I think he, he did really well um, for the podcast here, right? In the Champions mm-hmm. League, we, we were kind of, we kind of highlighted him. Um, early on the Nunez train right right early on as as that was going on and he certainly did enough to um score some goals and get this big money transfer over to pool so I'm sure he'll be great um you know it's just a lot of goals to share at Liverpool and and I think um Holland's going to be the one to to get them all at City so yeah this is tough and this is probably the biggest one we're looking at head to head because this will greatly impact the title race if one of them goes bust right or if one of them explodes Mm -hmm. because you're looking at the two favorites by by a long shot at least when we get to the betting odds in a minute but um i think it's got to be holland too just because the track record has been uh established already in a bigger league in the bundesliga he's scores basically a goal game for uh dortmund when he was there i mean the guy's good right he's real good and just looking at the betting odds for Golden Boot in the Premier League right now, the books agree because Holland is the betting favorite at plus 450, both on DraftKings in the U.S. and Skybet in the U.K. Uh, Nunez is down in uh, the sixth position followed, following Salah, Kane, Ronaldo, and Son. And, and that's exactly what we yeah, said. He's at plus 1,000 on DraftKings and plus 1,400 on Skybet in the U.K. So the books certainly feel that Holland is uh out-and-out favorite, at least in a head-to-head battle between those two. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think you guys are, are both spot on. To me, it, you know, Holland has less risk of being a bust than Nunez because he is a bit more established. Uh, you know, Nunez did perform well in the Champions League, so there is every reason to believe that he'll be a success. But, you know, it's one thing to, to do that in Portugal's top league versus England or Germany's top league. Uh, I think the interesting thing here is, you know, when Holland is healthy and playing, he's obviously going to be, he'll probably be the guy in terms of scoring goals for Manchester City. Obviously, De Bruyne can, can score as well, but, you know, he'll be the focal point, but even if Nunez is healthy and, and on a tear, he's still going to be competing with Salah to be Liverpool's main goal scoring threat. So it, even there, you, you know, you'd have to defer to Salah as being a, a larger impact than the Nunez. So I think that gives Holland a little bit of the edge. I will say the, the interesting thing to watch out here is, 
you know, Liverpool, since Klopp has taken over, have never really played with a traditional nine. So we don't really know what to expect from that position. It's always been the winger scoring and Firmino dropping into that false nine, creating and, and, you know, occasionally cleaning up. We do have some reference for what a a number nine looks like under Guardiola's uh, city squad with obviously Aguero, who is, you know, a pretty solid striker himself. So we, we know what to kind of expect in that system. Um, so I think there is a, a little bit more of a, a higher ceiling potential for Nunez if, you know, Klopp's number nine position is 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 always in front of net. And we know that Robertson and, and Trent Alexander-Arnold are, are probably two of the best wingbacks in terms of creating goals in the league, uh, if not the world. Uh, so there there will be plenty of opportunity for Nunez to, to, to pick up, you know, quite a few goals of his own right. And so maybe that's an interesting bet since Nick doesn't like placing futures for less than plus 500, maybe well, a little plus 1,000. And he plus, scored four say, today. Would you say four today. plus 450 for... Um... Yeah. For 450 Holland. for Holland, yeah. yeah. But without ever playing a Premier League game, that's that's pretty insane. Yeah. yeah. All right. And just well, so I, I mean, just we're, we're quickly on the topic. I would say sight unseen. Um, I, I'm I would take probably Harry Kane uh, as top goal scorer. What, what's he at right now? Plus Coach? 500 on DraftKings. Uh, okay. No, so him, means, him and Salah are right right on the heels of uh, Holland. So yeah. again, for that reason, knowing that he's the man, knowing that he's not going to be necessarily sharing the goals um in the way not to say that sun doesn't score um but you know not in the same way that liverpool play um i'm going to take the guy that's you know been in the premier league for four or five years over holland um that, that's probably where i'd go today i think the other thing you have to keep an eye out if we're talking i mean we're, we're going to talk epl futures in a second here but the, there's a new the new rules in, in play for epl this season which allows for five subs and i think Guardiola and, and Klopp and probably Conte are going to really utilize all five subs and make sure they're resting players. So <laughs> maybe guys not like, Conte. We don't, we don't know yet. <laughs> so I'll, all right, well, we'll, I'll tell you why. So, uh, you know, Salah and, and Kane, obviously the two older of, of that group, you'd expect, you know, especially with the world cup coming up that their managers are going to want to protect their legs. They're going to make sure that they can play, you know, the full 38 games in the, in the uh, season, as long as, as much as they can part of that's going to be rotation. And we also already saw that, you know, Conte's out here buying for Charleston for 60 million pounds. And if you look at where he's going to start right now, there's not a really a nailed on spot for him. We saw how well Kulisevsky played. Obviously, Son and Kane are pretty nailed in for the front three. It seems like yeah. that signing indicates and, to me that that owner, you, I think you're right. Not to cut you off. That owner's not spending 60 million no. to have this guy sit the bench though. So. Right. So I, I think you'll see some of the older guys, they'll still play, you know, they'll, they'll be nailed into that starting spot every single game, but I would expect them to get, you know, subbed off as long as, you know, games are in hand in, in you know, 70th minute or so. So that could impact things as well. All right. Well, let's transition now. Um, already talking futures and goal scorers, but the main thing we want to talk about in this week's episode is we now have futures for the season, the EPL season as a whole. So we've got the odds are out for winners, top four, relegation and more. Um, so I think, We'll we'll start with the with the easy and the obvious. Uh, who's going to win the league in 2022-2023? Our top candidates are, as you'd expect, Manchester City at minus 165 to take home the trophy. Liverpool just behind them at plus 250. After that, you're going to start getting some pretty good value. Tottenham and Chelsea both at plus 1400. Manchester United coming in fifth 
kind of surprising. Um, we'll talk about their odds of other areas, but uh, plus 2,800 and then Arsenal and Newcastle rounding out the top at plus 3,500 and plus 10,000 respectively. So I think everyone is pretty much on the same page here. It's going to be probably another two horse race. So aside from that, Nick, who do you got as potentially being a threat to those, you know, top two ch- challengers? Yeah. I mean, looking at this um, minus 165 is a little surprising for city, just considering how neck and neck last season was, um, you know, how good pool was, how good Chelsea started the season. Um, you know, for me, there's, there's no real money to be made on, on them. Uh, not even on Liverpool at plus 250. I mean, you know, wait a couple of weeks and, and pick a game that you like, and you can get a team on the money line for plus 250. That's very likely to win. Uh, so I think Tottenham is the, the clear and obvious choice to lock up your money long-term plus 1400 um, seems like way, way, way more value than they deserve. I don't necessarily think that they're going to win the league, but this reminds me a lot of Real Madrid in the champions league. Um, you know, same, same type of value. And, um, you know, look, I, I know coach is a believer um, in Conte. I am as well. I think they've had a, a pretty good transfer window. And I think they're, you know, another season under him, they will continue to improve. So Tottenham is where I would be spending my money. All right, Mr. Tottenham. Coach, what do you think? Is that yeah, where you're going to put your money? I wouldn't, I wouldn't put money on anybody outside of the top two, and there's no value in the top two. So personally, I wouldn't actually bet on the winner. But if I had to put my theoretical money on, on one of the teams outside of city and Liverpool would be Tottenham. I think I agree with Nick on the points he made. That would be my, my pick as the next best team. Yeah. I, I get why you guys are saying that you guys are also, I think bigger believers in Conte than, than I am. But for me, if it's picking between the two teams at plus 1400, I think I'd go with Chelsea. Um, I think there's a little bit more unknown with them. And with that comes a potential higher ceiling. So obviously bringing in Sterling, you know, that could potentially add a little bit more of a, a dimension in their attack getting a, a new back line, which is kind of their weakness a little bit in, in the second half of last season. Um, they didn't really have that nailed in center halves. Uh, and obviously we know Reese James was in and out of the lineup hurt. So um, if Reese James is healthy and you have a, a locked in pairing of, of Koulibaly and Kunde, who I think will probably be, you know, they'll, they'll, I think they'll easily be the top, you know, in the top three center half pairings in the league. There's a lot more potential there than I think in Tottenham. I think Tottenham's ceiling is a little bit more known, um, you know, Let's not yeah, forget it, that they I just mean, barely listen, squeezed into the top year. four last season. So, right. yeah, but they'll get a full year of Conte too. They didn't have the full season yeah, of Conte, really which could make start. a difference. Yeah, that's um, fair. And the one thing I'll say about both of those teams, I mean, they, they strike me as two teams where, you know, you can still probably get plus a thousand, six, seven, eight, ten games into the season. Once you right? see what they start doing, um, yeah. depending how it goes. So there, there's no need to jump the gun at this moment. You know, you might even be able, it might drop a little bit, plus 500, plus 800, something like that. But there's still money to be made with those two teams if you're a believer, um, you know, without without going all in before the season starts. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we'll shift gears a little bit. Real Obviously, quick, I just we, do want to point out to anybody listening, Man United plus 2,800, that is throwing money absolutely down the toilet. <laughs> do not get suckered in because you like Man United or your uncle likes Man United or you remember Man United. Don't do that. They have no yeah. shot. And um, the one that's really crazy, I just want to shout out Kicks and Picks podcast Newcastle as outside of the big six um, is, you know, would be the favorite. I mean, yeah, they certainly are. There's, you know, there's no way that they make that leap to premier league winners, but yeah. man, a lot more respect than I was expecting them to get. 
Yeah, I think we'll get to Newcastle in a little bit because there there are some futures involved that are a little bit more. Uh, what's the right word to say? They're they're a little bit different. Um, a little more year, feasible. So, yeah, a little more feasible. So I think they'll come into play in a little bit. But um, if we're not talking, you know, who's going to win the league? Usually, you're talking about who's going to be in the top four. Um, obviously, City and Liverpool are just you know out of the conversation in terms of putting money down here at minus 10,000 and minus 1,000 uh, respectively Tottenham and Chelsea, the next two favorites minus 135 and minus 150. So again, not really worth putting money down uh, the contenders though, Manchester United at plus 130, Arsenal at plus 150, Newcastle at plus 900. And then West Ham who put up a pretty long top four chase last season, still have Declan Rice. They're sitting at plus 1400. Figure that, you know, with spots one and two almost seemingly locked in, you're looking at five, six teams to compete for the, the top four, the other two spots. Uh, anybody there pique your interest there, coach? I mean, I think the top four are all minus money for a reason. I think that will be the top four in the end. You're not going to tie up money, though, on minus 135 or even minus 150 with Chelsea and, and Tottenham. So I think if you wanted to take a shot at like an outsider to maybe find some value, I, I think Newcastle could be worth a shot. They came on very strong in the second half of the season. They signed uh, Botman in the back to help solidify the defense a little bit. If you're looking for like a surprise team, they could be it. Um, because even the the fifth and sixth United and Arsenal plus 130, plus 150, you're going to tie up money from August until May for, for 150? No. Unless it's a huge sum. No, I agree. Um, I think Newcastle is going to be the flashy pick. I mean, like I said, I, I don't even know that they make that leap. I think um, competing for Europe itself, top yeah. six, top seven is much more realistic. Um, but, you know, sight unseen without these teams playing a game, the, the money here for me is West Ham plus 1400. Um, you know, you mentioned it, Scott, I think until like maybe week 33 or 34, they were, they were kind of in the thick of things and, um, had a disaster, disastrous results from themselves and from teams around them. Um, so, you know, they, they could certainly be in it. That, that would be that, you know, if you're looking to take a shot, that, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I think I'd like West Ham a little bit more if they went into the, to the window and, and got like a, you know, I don't want to say like a big name attacker, but with somebody that adds to their depth in the, in the front line. Cause I think that's West Ham's problem right now is they don't have the depth that'll compete with those other traditional six squads um, as they're spending out money to, you know, bring in, you know, 30 or 40 million pound strikers or wingers um, that they can bring on as a sub uh, just to get, you know, get that last goal that, you know, gets you the three points versus the one. So I think, you know, West Ham if they had made a move or there's still time, right. They can still pull somebody in in August. I think that becomes more interesting. Obviously holding on to Declan rice is probably their biggest move for the summer. Newcastle at plus 900, I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, You know, they were the second best team since January 1st, um, second most points since January 1st of last season. So there's obviously a a decent track record for them to perform. Um, They haven't quite made as big of a splash in this window yet, as I think we would have expected. Um, Really, I think Sven Botman is, is their their big name that they've brought in so far, but they're still very much rumored in the thick of things. You know, usually with new management comes inexperience in the transfer window, which can sometimes take th- take things a little bit longer to move than, than other squads. So um, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, maybe they bring in a, a big name or two. I know uh, Anthony um, from Ajax is, is kind of rumored uh, in amongst a bunch of the Premier League teams. So if he moves and finds his way over to to Newcastle. I think that would be pretty interesting, but 
you know, my top four, I think this year uh, outside of Manchester City and Liverpool are probably going to be Chelsea. And then I'm, I'm going to go out with Arsenal. I think Arsenal squeak in again. I know I was in on them in December of last year. It didn't pay out for me, but uh, I do like what they are building with the young squad. Most of them, I think actually all of them have, have stuck around. So yep. they just have another year of experience, another year under Arteta. Midfield is probably going to be suspect again this year. That's going to be their big weakness. But if they can address that either in the market in August or potentially again in January, then I think they have, you know, they really have something moving. And Arsenal, if you're listening to this. Step forward as a manager. I mean, if he does, then they're right in the thick of top four. If yeah. he doesn't, probably yeah. on I the mean, outside looking in. And again, it's their midfield is not great. Their midfield depth is even worse. So if they have one injury in midfield that really, you know, I think changes things pretty significantly for them, but their attacking line, their defending line, all young and very strong already. And I think another year under the same manager together, it really just improves things. So I I think they would get my, my quote unquote money. If we were interested in putting money on plus plus one fifty for, for the fourth spot. Well, I know where you'll actually be putting some money. And I think that one is on the relegation battle. Sure. will. I think uh, I think relegation battle this year is going to be probably the one where if you're looking to tie up money in, in futures is probably the best bet. Um, they've got a whole lot of part. Uh, oh, sorry, a whole lot of teams that have really good value. Uh, I think the odds on favorites right now to get relegated in Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest and Fulham, I think two of those three are, are probably gonna end up safe this season. I know that they're the odds favorite just because they're the ones that were newly promoted. Um, but when you're starting looking at some of the other contenders, you know, Leeds plus 200 actually like them this year. They, I think they've done a, a pretty good job in, in, you know, getting reinforcements in. I know they yeah, lost I, Rafinha, I like what they've done, but I think what Marsh is building is a little bit more of a cohesive team. And I think that's a, the type of squad that, Hey, you're not going to compete for anything in the top half of the table, but I don't think they're going to be in really any danger of getting relegated. Brentford at plus 250. I think that's a, a viable candidate. Um, they haven't really done a whole lot in, in the market and, they kind of struggled in the second half of last season. And then you start getting into where maybe some good value comes in. So Southampton at plus 300, it's a potential candidate. Everton, who barely escaped relegation last year, have done nothing besides sell their best player, Richarlison, and assign a, an aging uh, Tarkowski to kind of shore up their back line. They sit at plus 400. And then you got Wolves plus 550, Crystal Palace uh, also plus 550. And then the one that I really like, Brighton Hove Albion sits at plus 750. Uh, I know that Graham Potter is a, a media darling of a manager in England. Uh, he's been tabbed as picking up the reins for a, a big six club every time there's been a, an opening in the past year and a half. But, you know, Brighton haven't been the strongest in, in the last, you know, three or four months. They had a, a period where I think they had like seven consecutive draws, um, which is, you know, moments away from disaster. I think a few of them were, were draws that they got a goal in like the 90th or the 92nd minute. So didn't finish the season on a good foot. And they, again, also a team that haven't really done much in the market. So do you guys see anything that, that sticks out for you? Or are you, are you picking, if you had to pick two teams to put money on, um, where are you throwing that money for, for relegation? I mean, I like a lot of what you said. I, I, I agree with you on Leeds. I think Leeds has had a nice window, even losing Phillips and Rafinha, uh, Rafinha right? Um, they, uh, I think, reinforce smartly. So I, I don't think that they're as in danger as the books think they are at plus 200. I, I think I agree with you, what you said with Nottingham and Fulham. And, and I think the uh, Ever- Everton, I don't know if they go down because they are a, a fairly large club, so to speak, right? But I mean, 
some of these teams haven't really reinforced themselves, like you said. And I think, uh, you know, if you're looking at something with a little value, I mean, you're probably looking at maybe Brentford or Southampton, Everton, though, some, someone from those three. I don't know if a Brighton is in danger of going down, but those are the ones I'd look at probably that, that trio where there's plus 250 or better. So, uh, yeah, let's get it out of the way. I mean, Bournemouth, I think we can all agree, probably going yeah. down, right? Yeah, Favorites yeah. for a reason. Got it. Um, I would, you know, selfishly, I'd put the money on Everton because I want to root for it week after yeah. week. <laughs> it's uh, fun. We it's a do. lot of fun, Nick. It's you can join, join the party. <laughs> um, if you guys did or didn't see, uh, listener, listeners out there, they just lost to Minnesota United for nothing uh, here in the U.S. And, and they've done nothing besides lose for Charleston, right? So right. What, what are you doing to reinforce? Um, nothing. So, they don't have the money. And they toyed with it this year, man, down to maybe like week 34, 35. So um, that's, that's what I'll be rooting for. Um, you know, probably just – Brentford is a team that sticks out to me just because, you know, I, I, if you gave me a thousand dollars, I don't think I can name three players on the team. So um, when that comes into play, makes me think that they're, they're a candidate to go down. Um, so that's where I'm at. And then I think, you know, lottery ticket is uh, somewhere in that crystal palace, Brighton realm. One of those teams around, they're both around nine uh, plus 600 between the two of them. Th- you know, that's, that's the long shot. Yeah, I think if I'm picking two teams uh, to put money on, I'm definitely going to pick Brighton at plus 750. Uh, again, like I said, didn't finish strong last season. I get that Graham Potter is, is you know, a, a highly thought of coach and manager. That just means that maybe he leaves in the middle of the season again. So that there's a possibility that somebody struggles in that top six or top seven and moves on from their manager. Maybe it's Arsenal, who knows? Um, but Again, they haven't really done anything in the market. They've lost Ives Bissouma, who is probably their best midfielder, if not their best player, uh, and have not really brought in anybody with any experience to kind of counter that. So I think they're going to struggle this season a bit more than people might expect. I'm also going to put money on Everton plus 400 just because it's very fun to do. Uh, and yeah, they haven't done anything to you know improve their midfield. They haven't done anything to replace the goals that they're going to losing from Richarlison. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on you know a young kid like Anthony Gordon to create and score a lot of goals for them this year that he may not be ready, especially in a, a squad that is not exactly a, a well-oiled unit. And if you think they're going to avoid relegation, I think that means you just believe in Frank Lampard as a manager because there, there's really nothing else to say about this team that is different from last year besides you know they've got an extra 38 games or whatever with, with Frank Lampard. And I'm not a big Lampard believer at the current moment. So that's where I'm putting my money. I think the three that are likely to go down end up being somewhere between like Burnmouth, Brentford, and then either one of Southampton or Everton. I think those are probably your bottom four. But Nottingham Forest being the second shortest odds, I think is a disservice. Uh, we all liked Nottingham Forest in the championship last year. They brought in some, you know, pretty solid signings. They just brought in uh, Jesse Lingard. So I think they're going to surprise some teams. I can see them being a, a firmly, you know, mid-table team that never really is in danger of of falling out of the the, the or falling into the relegation zone. Uh, and then Leeds, yeah, it's, it's as Coach kind of mentioned, it's whether or not you know they did enough to replace uh, Rafinha and uh, Calvin Phillips, which you know we both think that they did. That remains to be seen. So. All right. And then our last one, these are the kind of the little odd, odd futures, we'll call them. Uh, these are winners of the league without certain teams. So obviously we talked about the winner of the, of the league's 
being odds on favorite of Manchester City and Liverpool. So if you take them out of the equation, you know, who do you think is going to finish, you know, potentially third? Although, again, you still get the credit if they somehow, this team somehow beats Liverpool or City. Again, odds on favorites are Chelsea and, and Tottenham sharing a, a plus 175. Manchester United somehow are getting the next most respect, which is crazy to me at plus 400 and they start getting into some of the value plays arsenal at plus 600 i think is actually pretty good value considering you know they were in third place for you know a good chunk of the season last year and then obviously fell off uh, towards the end of the season and then newcastle sitting at plus 3500 west ham also at plus 3500 and then leicester our favorites uh plus 5000 so you're familiar with leicester's story they have the i think largest odds of a team to ever win the league. So why not recreate that with just getting third place? Um, I'll, I'll start here. The reason why I included this is because again, Newcastle with the second most points from January 1st of last season, getting plus 3,500 in this is crazy. And I think it's crazy because we don't know that what their final roster is going to look like. I'm guessing it's going to be a much improved. And if there are a team that's sitting on like the precipice of fourth place in January, they have the owners that are going to go out and reinforce significantly. There's not going to be any sort of penny pinching. If they have an opportunity to lock up a champions league spot, they're going to go out and spend to do it. So I think there's every possibility that they're, they are going to be a squad that just gets better and better throughout the season and can definitely finish strong and, and pull out, you know, a top three spot when it comes to the, to the end of the season in May. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Newcastle's worth a shot at plus 3,500, right? I mean, that those are really good odds when you're eliminating both City and Liverpool. I would still say Tottenham would be my favorite at plus 175. But if you're looking for value, I think Newcastle or Arsenal plus 600 are the ones to look at. And I agree. I mean, these are all um, these are all lottery ticket bets, man. I mean, it's just I think it's cool. I've never seen a bet like this. I've never even heard of this. So it's fun to look at. I don't know that, you know, anybody's really worth a stab here, um, but Newcastle is the fun one. Um, Arsenal plus 600 to me is, is maybe the, the safest bet based on everything Scott said earlier, but um, cool to look at, uh, you know, no, no shot that we do uh, plus 175 for Chelsea or Tottenham, the yeah. most likely ones. I think we may have to do a group bet. Everybody pitch in, you know, some, some amount of money and we'll put it on Newcastle at plus 3,500 because go. that I'm seems, in. I mean, that gives us all something to root for together throughout the season, especially with, two guys that are primarily Serie A followers anyways uh, on the For podcast. Sure. No, let's and then do we'll, it. we'll close it out. The last winner, winner without, is the winner without the big six. So big six obviously being Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, and Manchester United. That leaves you with Newcastle at plus 250, West Ham at plus 350, Leicester at plus 500, Aston Villa at plus 600. And then some of the, I guess, more outside shots, Brighton at plus 650, kind of surprising. Crystal Palace yeah. at plus 1400. Wolves at plus 1,400, and then the last and certainly least, Everton at plus 1,800. And this falls into that same realm, right, where, like, the the teams with any sort of decent number um, have no shot at even finishing top <laughs> six or, or, you know, top seven, I should say. Um, and then the ones that do, you know, the odds are much shorter. So, to me, um, let's go with the last bet on the winner without. Uh, you know, I don't think the, the teams have changed here. Um, you know, maybe – West Ham or Newcastle plus 250 if you're into that. But if you're going to do that, shoot for the moon. Yeah. And I think the reason why I included this is just to provide some context. So again, right. I already talked to everybody about Newcastle plus 3,500 for being basically third place. 
Nottingham Forest are sitting at plus 3,500 for winner without the big six. So the books are giving you the same odds for Nottingham Forest to finish sixth as Newcastle to finish third. There you go. I'm just going to leave you with that. And so and they're what second or third favorites to be relegated. So that sounds like crazy. they're much more, you know, it, there's, <laughs> it doesn't quite add up with, um, Hey, yeah, they're going to get relegated, but also, Hey, they might finish top seven. So I think we're going to have the official kicks picks pod future bet is going to be Newcastle plus 3,500 win the league, not considering Manchester City or Liverpool. All right. So that wraps up our EPL preview. Uh, We'll be back very, very soon because the season starts August 5th. So we're going to start getting some of our regular scheduled episodes back out and live every week. Uh, We'll try to have them out on Thursdays, if not sooner. Uh, Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, or anywhere where you listen to uh, podcasts. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. Nick. Anything else we got to shout out? Yeah, man. Really appreciate it. Like, share, and subscribe. If you haven't listened to it already, our last episode with Soccer Q Ash is a great insight into betting. A lot of lot of tips to be had there. And looking forward to the season. It's here before you know it. Yeah. Next time we chat to you guys, we're going to have all sorts of prop picks and money lines and corner plays. So we're back. Soccer's back, baby. Can't wait. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you.